Welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where I teach you how to step into the arena of bigness, all the while creating more joy along the way. That's right. We are capable of reclaiming our power, our purpose, our boldness and bravery, and putting our bigness into the world. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach, who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you really love. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's show. Now, before I jump into this episode, I just want to remind you, if you are not a member of the She Finds Joy Facebook group, you need to get in there. This is a place where we can show up as our real selves. There's a lot of positivity in there, but I also share my own struggles and my own challenges. Um, And so hop on in there, tell your friend, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, send it to anybody and everyone who you know needs to know that they can overcome hard things in their life and they can reach for more joy. So today I want to introduce Angela Robeck and she is well-versed in teaching and school leadership, but we know that not all of our listeners are educators. And so what I love about Angela is she is a certified life coach who graduated with her certification from two of the very well-known coaching institutes, Brooke Castile's The Life Coach School, and then Martha Beck's Certified Life Coaching Program, two people that I really look up to. Um, And so I love that she's really interested in personal development. She and I jumped on for like a preliminary episode and realized we had talked for 40 minutes and hadn't recorded any of it yet because we were trying to make sure that we were a good feel for one another. And I think we found out real quickly, Angela, that we were. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So welcome. I can't wait to dive into some of these deeper topics. I think that it's really easy for us to surface level over stuff sometimes without really getting to the nitty gritty of what's going on. And in my work with both like schools and organizations and businesses, but also in my work with specific women, I feel like, like we just cannot get, like, we can't get off that hamster wheel of feeling overwhelmed. Um, And I, I know that you talk a lot about this idea of people pleasing and saying yes to all of this stuff. I think I even did an episode one time that said, stay, set, Stop saying yes to shit you really don't want to do. I think that was the title. <laughs> <episode>. Perfect title. <laughs> yeah. But I do want to dive into this because, you know, w- why? Okay. First of all, let's just talk about people pleasing. Tell me what you feel like people pleasing is and how that plays out in our lives. Yeah. So I'm going to speak to it specifically about women because I coach school leaders and primarily coach uh, female school leaders. And one of the th- themes. And one of the patterns that I notice when, uh, these are moms, right? They're, they're mothers with children at home and they're also leading schools. So they're, they have this big full-time job and they've got this big full-time job at home, which is raising their families. And they're told to build trust and they're told to build relationships and they're told to be a yes person. And so what happens is they confuse this idea of authenticity and trust and relationship building with people pleasing. 
and what we think is building trust. And, and, and just even with our family, like when we love our children and we love our, our spouse, our partner, and we want to say yes to them, we need to see when we're saying yes, because we actually want to say yes out of love and out of service to our career or our personal life, or whether we're saying yes, because we feel obligation or we, or we believe that that's just the way it is. We have to say yes, because we're, a, we're a mother, right? Yes. Like we, we believe we have to cook dinner because we have two children and we have a husband and they're hungry and they're asking what's for dinner. And we don't question the thought, oh, now I have to cook dinner or I need to have a, a meal plan for the week. Um, we don't really stop and think about, wait a minute, is this the only solution? Am I doing this because I love to cook and I love to feed my family? And the answer might be yes, right? The answer might be yes to that. Or it might be, I actually hate cooking and I dread it. And I like around three o'clock every day, I start to think, oh gosh, what am I going to make for dinner? And I have to run to the store and I, you know, I want to make sure the kids are eating healthy and, but I don't, I'm so exhausted. Like, I just want to pick up, you know, chicken or something. Right. And what I'm inviting women to do is to just notice when they're having that kind of push and pull that cognitive dissonance in their mind, that it feels like you should be doing it. And you think it's just truth. That feeling of frustration is that little signal. It's that little flag that says, Hey, maybe something else could be true here. Maybe something else could work equally as well, if not better, that's that solves all of the problems. So for example, with dinner, right, it could equally be true that somebody else could cook dinner or that you could order out or that you could prep on Sunday for the week and then just have leftovers ready and available for people. You could teach your kids how to cook. You could, you know, like you could start to think when you realize like that's not an absolute truth, you can start to see like there are many possibilities. And when you are open to those possibilities, those creative solutions will rise up to the surface of your mind. Okay. So here's what I want to talk to you about. So, so I can just hear like, you know, I think that this is a belief system that is so heavily embedded in a woman from generations of societal beliefs. Like, I just feel like women are doing a ton of shit that they really don't want to do, but they're scared not to do it because then they're going to deal with the guilt. Like, I feel like guilt is such a big thing because it's like, Hey, if you're a woman, like you're supposed to do all of this stuff. Like you, you know, and, and we, we can't quite get over that, that barrier. I know in my own household, it's like this morning we had this big ice storm. My house cleaner said she couldn't come. And I was like, crap. Like, so at, you know, six 45, I'm firing up the vacuum cleaner. I freaking hate vacuuming. I'm mopping. I took my dogs for a run. They had like salt in their paws. So I'm like, screw this. I'm going to give them all a bath. And like, I had all that shit done. And then like my husband gets out of bed and he's like, good morning. And he's really good. But like, I was like, okay, so here's the deal. I'm sick of mopping. My back hurts from giving the dogs a bath. I need you to take over the mopping and you're in charge of cleaning the kitchen since the house cleaner is not coming. And he did it. He really did. But, but we've had to have these difficult conversations for a long time to where I don't feel like, um, the household chores 
just fall on my shoulders. Um, but then there is that guilt that comes in. I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes I look back and I really hated cooking. I'm just going with your cooking example. Right. And I was like, Oh, my kid's never going to be the kid who comes home from college. And is like, mom, will you make that really great meal? Because I really was not the mother who like, was a great, like, I just hated cooking. And so I really had to get over that. Like, okay, yep. There's times I'm willing to like stretch myself and make myself uncomfortable because it is going to feel good to give my kids like a healthy meal, but there's also alternative solutions. Like I can do takeout or there's a meal delivery service. Now I can order that. Um, or, you know, like what we have found out is my husband's the better cook. So he does a lot of the cooking now. I don't feel bad about it at all, but I do think like this is something heavily embedded in women who are like, they want to do what we're talking about, Angela, but they're like, oh, I'm just going to feel so bad about myself if I do that. Well, and that is the crux of the problem because our brain is telling us that it's our job, our responsibility, that nobody else can do it, but us that we're, but that's where the obligation comes in. And what I invite people to do is ask, like question that, is it absolutely true that you have to be the one to do these things? And if so, why do you believe that? And that's where you get into that deeper belief system of like, what do I believe about my role as a wife or my role as a mother or my role as a spouse in, in, um, in a family situation, or what do I at the work, if you're a working mom, like, what are you thinking about when you're at work as well? So it, it can be in either realm, a sphere in your life. But if we're taking this home front, looking at it from, wait a minute, why do I believe this? What do I make it mean about myself if I do the cooking? And what do I make it mean about myself if I don't do the cooking? Am I a bad mom if I don't cook? Am I a good mom if I cook? And notice how we label ourselves and how we judge ourselves for the tasks that we do versus asking our own opinion and valuing our own opinion. Because a lot of times we think, well, people will think I'm a bad mom or my husband will think I'm a bad mom. If I don't cook dinner, or I don't like to cook, or I, I don't keep the house super tidy every single day. But what we don't do as women, and because we were trained not to, is we don't value our own opinion equally or more than we value the opinions of everyone around us. Oh my gosh. That's a, okay. I want you to say that, that again. That is a tweetable moment. Yeah. <laughs> as women, we don't value. I want you to say that again. We don't value our own opinion equally or greater than we value the opinions of other people. And that's why we feel like we don't have our own backs ever because we, we are the ones self-doubting. We are the ones questioning. We're the ones judging ourselves and condemning ourselves. If we don't do it the way we think it should be done. I can guarantee you nine times out of 10, if you went to your husband and said, like, can I be honest with you? Like, I hate cooking. Can we figure something out? Can we put it into the budget for, you know, food delivery or have those pre, you know, like they have those prepackaged meals you can get. There's tons of options in the world right now for that. If, if that's financially available to you, if not, perhaps everybody takes a turn and then you're only cooking half of the time. There's there, there is always a solution first of all. And if you believe there's always a solution when there's something you're doing that you just, you hate doing, or it doesn't, you don't feel like it's the way that you want to contribute to the world. And here's the other thing. It, if not liking something is good enough reason not to want to do it. Like you don't have to do something if you don't want to do it. I think that we don't think that's a valid enough reason. 
No, we're like, Hey, put, you know, put your big girl panties on and do it. That's what the rest of the women are doing. Right. And right. so we, exactly. I love that you say that. And, you know, I'm even thinking like, since we're on this meal thing, like, so we have PB and J's every Tuesday or grilled cheese sandwiches. Like it doesn't have to be this full, like I grew up with a mother who created like this full four course meal every evening. And that was very much embedded in me that that's what good moms do. And it is what good moms do, but I'm a really good mom too, but my strengths lie maybe in other areas, you know? Right. And so I love that you, you're saying that they don't have to just push that opinion away that they're having about truly not liking this at all. And, and that it's not a, what, you know, like you're not as screwed as you think you are, right? <laughs> like there yes. are other options. Yes. Here's the thing. You get to create the definition of a good mom for yourself, right? You get to decide like what it means for you to be a good mom. And I would invite your listeners to question, like to have the thought is a good mom, the, the mom who's modeling to her children, do things you hate doing out of obligation. Is that what you want to teach your children? I hate cooking. I begrudge it. And the, guess what? Everybody knows when mom's upset, right? So if mom hates cooking around dinner hour, she's going to get grumpy. Everybody feels that even if nothing's said, that's what you're modeling to your kids. And I, I would invite you to say, I'm a good mom because I do what I want. I focus on the things that I'm really good at doing as a mother. And I, and I delegate the other stuff. Oh, I love that. I'm a good mom because I focus on doing the things that I'm really good at. And I delegate, delegate the other stuff. Like, honestly, I can see my listeners needing to write that on a sticky note and put it on their mirror because, because <laughs> yes. we do, we have to like redefine what we think is a good mom without the clouded version that is shooting at us from social media, you know, and that's the other thing, right? There's this whole comparison that goes on on social media. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a fan of social media. I think that we have to be careful with it. But, you know, I know that some people can go into meltdown mode because they see like, oh, there she is. She's doing crafts with her kid again or making this great meal. And I haven't cooked for my kid in seven days. And then, but like, we also have to realize that social media is a highlight reel, right? Like they're not showing the other junk in their trunk because it's a highlight reel. It's like, if you go watch the basketball game from ESPN, they're going to show you 30 seconds of the very best shots of the game. Right. And we have to understand that's what social media is doing and not let that bring us down. When we see, like we, we do this whole comparative thing, right? Like it, it drives me crazy. I find myself doing it too sometimes, but I do feel like eventually I really got to like, just accepting, like, these are the things I'm good at. And, and these are the things I'm not, you know? Yeah. And it, what's funny about social media, when we're consuming it, when we're looking at it, the people that the people whose Instagram accounts that we're looking at, those people have no idea that we're looking that we're consuming their content at that given moment. So the only person in the room while we're looking at the Instagram account is us. It is us with our brain. That's how we know that it's our brain creating that feeling that comes when we're looking at somebody else saying, oh, I should be more like her, or I should do it that way, or my life doesn't look like that. Our brain is the one telling us all of those, I call them lie. I mean, it's a story in our head, but it's all lies because any story, and this is a Byron Katie quote, like any thought that comes through your head that feels terrible is a lie. 
right? So when you're watching social media, that woman's not making you feel bad because she's posting the, the good side of her life. Our brain is telling us that we should be something that we're not. So we're having this conversation with ourselves, party of one, which it is, it feels hard to hear that. But the good news is that we can control that. We can be like, Hey, wait a minute. Number one, I know that that's just half of life because we all know life's 50, 50, no matter who you are or how much money you have or how good your Instagram account looks. Yeah. Right. Life is 50, 50. So it's good half the time and it's hard the other half and your half looks very different than her half. So what, what, what are you, what is your brain making that mean? I love that. So what you're asking people to do is to become aware of the thought that they're having, which is in direct response to something they've seen or whatever. And then the thought they have causes a feeling, right? Can you kind of like walk us through that whole process of like, the thoughts we're having create our feelings and kind of like that cycle. And then how we can get out of that cycle by questioning the thought. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a tool I learned through the life coach school. It's called the model. And basically in its simplest form, it is a tool that helps you see it bring and bring awareness to how your thoughts are creating your results in your life. And here's what it looks like in, in motion. So you're let's, I'm going to use the Instagram as the, as the example. So the Instagram posts that you're looking at, that is a circumstance. It is a situation that's outside of you and that you don't have control. You don't have control over what people post on their Instagram. Okay. You do have control whether or not you look at it, that's separate, but let's just say Instagram is the circumstance when you're looking at it, it triggers thoughts in your head, right? That's the brain's job is to come up with these 60,000 thoughts per day. So of course, when you are consuming Instagram, you're having all kinds of thoughts about it, right? The thoughts you're choosing to have or the thoughts that are appearing in your mind trigger an emotional vibration in your body. So when I'm looking at Instagram and I'm seeing um, super mom with the cooking and the full-time job and she's got a side hustle and she looks amazing and she's, you know, a hundred pounds and, you know, got put the together, hair yeah. all put together. And you're thinking to yourself, first of all, that's totally fake. And, <laughs> or you're thinking, oh, look at her. Like, why can't I be like that? You're just, your brain floods, your floods with thoughts. There is a physical reaction, which is called an emotion, which is a vibration in your body in response to that thought, that emotional state that you're in impacts the decisions you make and the actions that you take. So when you're feeling, when you're looking at Instagram and you're like, oh brother, and you're feeling kind of like kind of down about it, you're feeling like you're, you're not as worthy or not as good as somebody else insufficient is what I would call that. You're feeling insufficient. The way you're going to show up energetically in your day is it's going to impact the way that you cook dinner, the way that you talk to your kids, the way that you interact with your spouse, the way that you go to work the next day, it impacts you. You're it. That's what we call our mood. Like whatever mood we're in, that's really just the vibrational energy that our body is, is resonating with based on our thoughts. And then obviously the way that we show up in the world, whether we're at home or with our kids or at work, 
it impacts the results and the outcomes that we create for ourselves. So when we're a crabby pants, because we were looking at Instagram thinking we should be different than we are. And we're kind of snapping at our kids while we're making dinner and they're like, Oh, and then you go to bed and you're grumpy and you wake up and then you go to work, right? You will have a different result in your life. Your life will feel different because you're creating this experience of I'm not good enough. I'm not looking like that. I'm not, I'm not doing all of those things. And that self-doubt turns into a spiral. It's a, it's I call it an overwhelm cycle where you just feel super overwhelmed. So you overwork in an effort to try harder, to be a better mom, to be a better employee, to be a better wife. And then you burn out and get exhausted. And then you kind of underwork, like it's this cycle of over, over trying, burning out, then giving up and under trying and kind of just (laughs) staying in your pajamas all day and eating ice cream. And then you're like, Oh crap, I just gained 10 pounds. Then you got to overwork again. You got to work really hard to lose the weight. And we just get into this cycle and it's all based on our emotional space that we choose to be in, but it's about understanding the thoughts we're having. So that is the cycle of the, of the, which is, which is why we have to pause and then self-check that thought. Is it, is it 100% a true thought or is it a lie that I've been told from, you know, previous in, you know, previous generations of, you know, how I'm supposed to show up in the world as a mother. I'm interrupting this podcast to talk to you real quickly about why we need to consider placing happiness at the forefront of our businesses our schools, and our organizations. We know that a positive brain is 31% more productive than a brain at negative, neutral, or stressed. We also know that when your employees' well-being is at the forefront, they achieve 56% greater sales. They're three times more creative, 40 times more likely to receive a promotion, 23% reported fewer fatigue symptoms, and they're six times more engaged in their work and in their life. It is for this very reason that I love traveling across the country and giving motivational keynotes on the happiness formula, how we can become more successful in both our professional lives and in our personal lives. When we bring happiness to the forefront, we change every single business education and organizational outcome. If you're interested in booking a keynote, you can go to strobeleducation.com forward slash speaking. You know, this is the other thing that I think women struggle with is like choosing to do things that make them feel good. Instead, we, 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 we don't think we have a choice, but we do have a choice, but we think we don't have a choice. And then we do things that make us feel bad that get us into those kind of, you know, what, whether it's resentfulness or bitterness or exhaustion or negativity or whatever that emotional vibration that we're holding, which is then like having this massive ripple effect in our life. And I know that so many women are like, I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed, but I actually think, and I want to know what your thoughts are on this, Angela. Mm -hmm. I actually think that we're underwhelmed and you brought that term up just now. Like, yes, let's talk about underwhelmment. I think over like the state of be overwhelm is a thought. It's not a truth, 
right? It's just a thought that we have, I'm overwhelmed, right? And then when we feel overwhelmed, we're actually feeling- Okay, I'm gonna stop you though, because here's, I know how my, I can just see how people are thinking. So I'm gonna be devil's advocate. So I'm going to be like, but Angela, I am overwhelmed. Like I have 10 loads of laundry on this, on the, my house is a disaster. I'm supposed to take this kid to the dentist appointment. This one needs a haircut. This one has two hours of homework. So like when you say overwhelming is, is, is a thought and it's not true. What about the person that's like, but what about this, all this stuff I'm trying to get done in a day's time? What do you mean? That's not true. Right. So that's my point. Exactly. Is that there is a to-do list. Everybody in the, in the world has a to-do list, right? That is your circumstance. Like the, the number of things on your list is a circumstance. What your brain makes it mean is that I'm overwhelmed. There's too much to do and not enough time, right? That's kind of the song, the title of the song that we're playing in our head. There's too much to do, not enough time. I'm busy, right? There's another, there's, this is like an album and here's all the titles. I love this, yes, keep going. (laughs) Yes, like I'm overwhelmed, I'm too busy. There's too much to do and not enough time. I'm exhausted, right? Like we tell ourselves this story about woe is me. There's so much to do. What we fail to see, and this is why we step out of our empowerment is we don't see it as a choice. We just believe that it's true that every single thing on that to-do list is an absolute must-do priority, can't be undone, can't be not done. That is one of the first things Martha Beck taught us was that using the word have to, must, all of those kinds of things, that is the brain's way of convincing you that those to-do list, that to-do list is the most important thing, right? Now let's just go there and say, okay, they all do have to be done. Now what Yes, you can, you can, you can do the things and be upset about them all day long and be hurried and rushed and tired and miserable and, and be like, kind of like resistant, you feel resistance to them all day long, or you can say, look, I'm choosing to cook dinner because I want, I don't want my kids eating McDonald's every night. I want to cook a healthy meal. So I'm going to choose to cook three nights a week, two nights a week are going to be leftovers, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, and one week, one day out of the week, they get to drive through McDonald's, you know, like, let's just be real here. Like there are some days we're going to be on our mom game and some days we're not, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a decision that we make. And when we tell ourselves we have to cook every single day, because that's what good moms do. You can tell yourself that, but does it feel good? Do you like that? Is that how you want to experience parenthood? Is that how you want to experience every night between five and 7 PM? If the answer is yes, go do that, but own it. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, I don't, I, I hate this. I don't like this. Then that's when you look into the other opportunities, but the emotion is the, is the little flag to tell you, wait a minute, I'm acting on a thought that may or may not be serving me. I need to check in with myself. Why is it that I feel obligated to cook every night? What am I thinking? How am I judging myself for that? And Mm -hmm. just opening up the, the question, do I want to do this? If so, why, if so, why not? So basically ask the question, decide, like tell your reason why you want to, or don't want to, and then decide, do, do I like my reason? If you like your reason run with it. If you don't like your reason, 
you can explore other options and look for creative solutions. And I love that you're telling people that you can choose to do the things a lot of the time that feel good to you. Because when you feel good, when your brain's at positive, I mean, I know the research on this, right? When your brain's at positive, it's 31% more productive than it negative, neutral, or stressed. Mm -hmm. And so purposely choosing to do things that make us feel good a lot of the time, I think is a, like we're, we're telling you all, you have the permission to do that. The other thing I'm thinking about is there are always like creative solutions to problems like I'm not somebody who has a ton of laundry. Like I'll wear the same pair of jeans. I don't know, four or five times in a row. I'm, I just will, you know, and mm-hmm. I found like everybody else in my house, I'm doing like Kim's doing her one or two loads of laundry a week. And the kids and my husband, they all have like four loads of laundry. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't working for me. So when our kids got in fifth grade, they started doing their own laundry, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, and my husband, I don't do his laundry. I mean, no, why would I do his laundry? I mean, you know, he chooses to like throw everything in the laundry. And so like, honestly, that's something I told myself early on that I was supposed to do it all, but I'm like, I don't have to do all the laundry. So now everybody just, you know, well, we don't have kids in the house anymore, but everybody does their own laundry starting in the fifth Mm -hmm. grade. Um, are there times when I'm like, okay, you know, I'm the type that like, as soon as the buzzer goes off, I take it out, I put it away and I'm like, Hey, you guys have like piles of clean clothes on the, like, you got to move this out of here. Yes. Right. (laughs) But like, there are some, like, I do think we do this to ourselves a little bit because we tell ourselves there's no other choice that we have to do all of this when actually, you know, I think it probably served our kids well that they started doing laundry in the fifth grade. So like we can ask our kids to do more too, cook a meal, whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And here's what I want to reiterate. Like, do not feel badly if you're not questioning because we haven't been taught to question. We don't like, we haven't been taught awareness. We haven't been taught to realize like, oh, that's just a thought I've been having all these years. I never even thought to think another way. I never even considered that my kids could do the laundry or that I could not cook every night or that I could, you know, hire, you know, that we could budget and hire a delivery service or whatever it is. But there are, you don't even like, when you don't know what you don't know, you can't think a new thought. So what coaching does, and that's one of the things I know you do and that I do is we help you see thoughts that you can't even see in it's, it's almost like having like driving a car without any rear view mirrors. Like you can't see what's on the side, but with a coach, right. When you have somebody, a third brain, like a kind of a neutral brain that's coming into your space and like, you're telling your story and that we're like, wait a minute, what are you sure that's true? Is there anything else you want to want to believe or think about what would, if you could dream anything, what would you want for yourself? it opens up the mind to like, Oh, I never even thought I could even go to that space. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, my listeners know I've had um, a counselor in my life for 20 years. Um, I've had numerous coaches. Like I feel like getting that third party neutral party involved in my life is what's really Like you just can't always figure this crap out on your own because it's like you said, those thoughts are happening and you don't even realize they're, you're not even aware 
of the thoughts. You're not aware of these beliefs. You've never questioned where these beliefs come from or why you keep doing things the way you keep doing them. And so I think that is some work that women should, you know, eventually invest in, whether it is a counselor that they need or a coach or whatever it might be so that they can actually have someone who's helping them see the things they can't see. Right. I mean, I like to compare it to fitness coaching because our, and here's what's going, it is my belief of what's going on in society is that fitness coaching has become a mainstream acceptance people like, obviously like the, the elite athletes, they have multiple coaches who are coaching them all the time on like these little teeny tiny adjustments that they can make to up-level their performance. And now it's become mainstream in general society where if somebody has a fitness trainer, nobody thinks anything negative of that there, of course, like you can't know all of the techniques and strategies yourself. And you can't see what you're doing with your muscles. When you're working out, you need somebody else to be able to see what your, your form, right. Or if you go to yoga, you have the yoga instructor that's adjusting your hips or the way that you're doing a particular pose life coaching mentorship. Like, and it doesn't matter if like, if you have a life coach or you have a business coach or a mentor of some kind, professional, personal mentor, there's all kinds of services out there available, but want number one, just like removing the stigma that it, that you should, the thought that you should have this all figured out, like you should know how to do life by yourself. That is a, that's an obstacle thought right there. And it's actually really painful to think like, I should know how to do all of this. And you really don't. But if you were just to admit to yourself, like, I'm not supposed to have this all figured out. I'm not supposed to know what to do. Like it's yeah. normal not to know what to do. Just that thought feels really freeing. Right. Yes. And then you can open yourself up to like input from other people in your life. And you may want to invest in yourself. And then that's where you get into another limiting belief where it's like, am I worth it? And this is women. I'm speaking to women right now. We don't think that money in our family should be spent on us. We think it should be spent on the kids and the, the, careers and the household and the, the bills and the college expenses. And we and let the, the, and the sports, you know, like we, we'll, everything we'll, we'll spend five or $10,000 a year, getting our kids in the best sport camps, but we can't get, we can't allow any of the budget for our own passions, our own, right. You know, help that we want. And then we wonder why we feel so resentful. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we true. don't take care of it. We won't let ourselves say yes to ourselves. But I'm telling you, like when you decide I'm equally worth, you know, as a member of this family and a a, a contributing member of this budget, (laughs) I'm equally worthy of investing in my personal and mental and emotional and physical well-being, whatever type of coaching or support systems you want, whether it's a spa day or a fitness coach or, um, your personal development person of any kind in your life. Like there's so many different niches out there now, but, um, and and you're not deserving of it after you've had the kids raised, you're deserving of it right now. Right. And that's the other thing that I hear Yes, as a mother, the most empowering thing you can do, you can model for your kids is to be the best version of yourself, to be the happiest, the strongest, the most emotionally resilient, the, the, like following your passion, your career, whatever it is you want to do when you're modeling that to your kid, that is 
you know, you can define it as you want, but that's how I see people being the best mothers, the best parents possible because they're showing their kids. They're not just telling them, go, go do what you love and do it well, which is what I used to always say to my son, Alex, but you're actually showing them go do what you love and do it well and be the best version of yourself. And this is how it's done. And yes, it's messy. And yes, you have to invest money and yes, it takes time. And yes, there's some grit and grind to it, but that's a beautiful space to be in when you're doing hard work, but you're doing it for a better cause versus grinding it out in misery and going into the spin cycle of overworking and underwhelm. And I guess we got and got off topic a little bit, but this whole idea of underwhelm when you aren't doing what you love cooking dinner, when you hate it, that's underwhelming. Yes. That is not contributing to your family in the way that you love to contribute. That is an underwhelming task. But if you, if you like, so don't do it, like do, do something else. Like whatever it is you love to do. Like if I don't know, like as a mother, like I loved taking my kid out to like all the museums and we were, we live in the San Francisco Bay area. So there's a plethora of museums and activities. And I just wanted to expose him to things outside of our little bubble. Right. Right. I love that. That's And you're right. It's like, yeah, sometimes we all choose. We do sometimes have to buck up and do certain things, but like, we don't have to do all the things that we hate. Like we can find some alternative solutions. So I absolutely love that. Okay. So this has been great. I, I, I knew we would get there with our audience. I think this is going to be really helpful. I can't wait to hear from them. If you've enjoyed this episode, I want you guys to tag take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Kim Strobel joy. Let me know what you learned from Angela. What was helpful? Angela, are you on Instagram too? You bet Angela Kelly coaching. Okay. Angela Kelly coaching on Instagram, tag us both. If this has been helpful and then we'll also drop that in the show notes. And then where else can people find you, Angela? We'll drop that too in the notes. Yeah, for sure. You can find me on my website at Angela Kelly coaching.com. I'm on Facebook at a Kelly coaching. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. Excellent. We'll drop all of that in the show notes. It's really been an honor. Thank you for coaching us today, Angela. I just have fun talking to you, Kim. This is the (laughs) beginning of a beautiful friendship. I'm a fun girl. You know, I always tell people like, people are like, tell my husband, oh, she's so high maintenance, isn't she? Like, you can just tell. I'm like, I am, but once you ask him how much fun I am too. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Hey. This it's all great. part of the Thank package. You so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Have a have a good one. Take care. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for listening in on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm honored to share this space with you, and I hope you keep showing up as the real you in this world. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you.